0: Welcome back to another week of the Unapologetic Hour. I really like that intro music. How about you? Yeah, it's
1: pretty cool. My wife made it. <laughs> Who knew I that she had just... a DJ on the side? Let me find out She she's producing hits.
0: <laughs> I was just kind of playing around with GarageBand, and it came out nice. <laughs> I am so excited for today's yes. show. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Be ready to get dropped some deep nuggets, some... some just be ready to be changed.
1: Yeah. This is a podcast. You want to make sure you have your notes. You want to come back and revisit this one time and time again. It's going to be timeless and it's going to be uh, very insightful. And I really believe the Lord is going to speak to us on this on today.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And our guest, we're so excited to have him with us. It's somebody, my husband, he was in the military and he was traveling back and forth from Vacaville and Fairfield area. And he's telling me about this Bible study at at one of the churches down there. And he's like, there's this amazing teacher down there and he's black. And he's <laughs> He started talking about just how it's a multicultural ministry with a black pastor and how he was so excited to see that. And so, um, so we were excited and I was excited and I was like, well, let me go check him out, see what he's talking about. And so, you know, after that, we started calling him The Voice and you oh, will yeah. understand why we call him that ever since that time. But when I tell you, he knows that word. Yes. God have given him a ministry for those who often feel kind of lost even in a in a ministry kind of like. So we're going to get into it today. And you want to do the introduction? Yes.
1: Yeah, so I remember uh, I had left. I was living in SoCal mm-hmm. and I joined the military and the Lord brought me up here. And I didn't really know any churches, anywhere to go. And so I started going to, I went to one church and it was a multicultural church, but I didn't see any um, people in leadership that looked like me. So I didn't want to go there. And so then I found Liberty Church. And then uh Dr. John Harris was up there preaching. And he was just so astute with the word. And you know, I grew up Pentecostal and he was speaking on spiritual authority one time. And he talked about it's not even about how loud you are,
0: or <laughs> I remember that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but it's about the authority, and you can be able to talk normally and cast out even if but being coming from Pentecostal, yes. that's not where we're conditioned. And so you right. begin to shape my we whole- We talk loud, we, we hell, talk loud, we, scream. we yell, we tear in, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so at that point he began to shake the way i read the word in my theology and i would come back to the bible studies on Wednesdays and i would call the name i'm like man you got to come hear this guy because he is he's next level and so um i am honored to have dr harris on I'm, let me give you an introduction and yes. then we'll get into our discussion today
0: yes welcome dr harris
2: hey thank you all for having me it's always a blessing and to be able to chat with you guys. You know, I, I got a memory that popped up in my Facebook uh about the, um, the Forgiveness Conference at Blessed Faith years ago. Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh, yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep, yep.
0: That was a while ago.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was. yeah, we got some history now.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah,
2: we do. Yeah, we
0: do. We do. It was good too. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> That was really good. So tell tell our listeners about your ministry. I know you you have a um, a ministry and a community um, for. Um, is it specifically for folks that just no longer want to be in a church building, just want God and want to build a relationship with Christ? Tell us all about that.
2: Yeah, there there's many two. If you think of uh, a railroad track that has those two beams on there, um, that's the image I have in my mind. One is. One of those beams is uh, is the specific message that we have. Um, we're focusing on the fatherhood of God and His role in the gospel. Uh, so many people uh, focus just on Jesus, but Jesus Himself was wanting us to focus on the Father. And yeah. so, uh, you know, sometimes people say, "Well, I'm I'm cool with Jesus, but I don't know about God." Well, that's a problem. <laughs> right? So, we're, because we're we we we're children of God. We don't say we're yeah. children of Jesus. We're children of God. So you probably should get to know the guy, right? Okay. So, so, focus on discovering the father heart of God is one of those beams on that railroad track. The other, so our message is a bit unique in that perspective uh, from most tr- traditional contexts. And then the other beam is is an intentional focus on those who have left the church but still love Jesus. And mm-hmm. so we don't limit the group to just those, but even though that's our focus, you know, that door is still wide open to whoever wants to be a part of it. So we have people, a lot of people in there who are connected to local churches and, um, and because when we started in January of 2021, a lot of people didn't have that connection with their own local church because a lot of things were still shut down. And so Mm -hmm. they plugged right into an online community that was online only. And so a lot of folks came in, you know, through there and have still, been a part of what we're doing, even when the local churches, um, you know, opened up. And so, um, so yeah, it's uh, targeting those who left the church, but still love Jesus is our target. It's just that, but the, the invitation is still open to everyone.
0: That's good. That's good. And tell us the name of your ministry.
2: And how can we, uh, how can people find you? Yeah. It's hearts like his, uh, so if you go on Facebook and just um, search "hearts like his," um, you'll you'll run into our page. If you hit "hearts like his" community, you'll run into our actual Facebook group, and um, and so that's where we've got some things that we've been, that's been going on. Yeah, we've been teaching live in there. Um, we start off every Wednesday, and then we went to every other Wednesday, the first and third Wednesday. So that's been our focus. And so uh, recently, I talked about a shift where I started another group called purpose beyond the Pews, and we're oh, encouraging wow. and active former church leaders in their in god's purpose for their life so oh, yeah
0: wow that's amazing that's amazing that is amazing i see uh, my husband has a lot of questions <laughs> already
1: <laughs> that's because you know i love i love uh church talk theology talk ministry talk those any kind of thing to deal with god the bible church all the isms and stuff like that. I really enjoy um, having those discussions. So this is kind of like my vein. When we have like, oh yeah, yeah.
0: yeah I'm yeah. curious
1: though. Like, uh, I know for me, growing up Pentecostal and going or growing up Baptist, then we went charismatic, then we went full gospel. Then I joined the a, a church and all these different denominations and stuff. I can look back yeah. and see like how my theology started and where it is now. Has your theology ha- always been the same or ha- can you look back and say, like, at what point you noticed a difference or a change?
2: Yeah, there were clear, um, pivotal moments where my theology changed. Uh, I grew up Baptist, uh, part of the National Baptist Convention. And, um, and my dad was a, a pastor of a church in North Little Rock. He started off as a chaplain in the Air Force, then he retired and then he got called to pastor a church in North Little Rock, Arkansas uh, eighth street missionary Baptist church. And so that's where a lot of my formative years were, um, as far as, you know, theology and things like that. Um, but when I went into the air force, um, I went in as a chaplain. So I went to, uh, central Arkansas from undergrad and then Memphis theological seminary for my, my masters of divinity, because you need that to be a chaplain in the air force. And, um, uh, my first assignment was at Hill Air Force Base in Ogden, Utah. Everything was fine then. And then my next assignment was at Osan Air Base in South Korea. And I remember asking the Lord what this particular assignment was really going to be about. And he said, spiritual warfare. And I remember mm, thinking, I- oh, that's no problem. I mean, I can teach Ephesians 6, armor of God. You know, that ain't nothing. Well, that's not the spiritual warfare he was talking about. So over <laughs> in Korea is where I first ran into it. Uh, manifesting in people and things like that. Long story short, very long story short, that's where I discovered deliverance ministry. That's where I discovered um, uh, words of knowledge and discerning of spirits. And all of those things became more alive to me. I uh, I believed in them, you know, theoretically and theologically it's in scripture, but we just don't think that stuff kind of, you know, happens very often if you're in certain, certain circles, but it happened frequently over there and um so that changed my theology that that's when i shifted from being baptist <laughs> <laughs> i don't
1: blame you doc <laughs> i'm
2: like no look as many Sunday schools that i've been to, somebody left something out y'all yeah. like, y'all left something out. so uh i'm facing my first demon in this young lady who's on our praise team our dance team and I'm trying to figure out how can this happen to a Christian? like is she safe? she must not be saved? or just all of that stuff is in my mind. and um, so so my my experience with the supernatural shifted both in, in encountering the demonic, but more importantly encountering the power of the spirit of God that in, enables believers to to uh, have victory over it and to walk in authority over it. Like, so that was new. So once that kind of thing happens like you just don't go back from that so that was my shift right. <laughs> from, from that's when i was like okay now i'm casting out demons now i'm seeing the sick being healed i'm seeing actual diseases diagnosed diseases even some physical deformities actually be healed and i mean bones shifting right in front of my eyes when wow. demons are coming out i don't need no theology but for that Eyes, I, I was there i saw it so that changed the way i was seeing all that kind of stuff So. Um, the speaking in tongues, like all of that. So, so that was then, right? Um, 2006, 2007. And, and ever since then, but I would say probably, oh man, uh, maybe eight years ago, that's roughly eight years ago, I was reading some things about sonship, about becoming growing as sons and daughters of God. And you know, a lot of people say it and talk about it. They don't really know what they're talking about. I mean, really, Living with God as your father. So I heard that and and I, I was connecting some dots, looking at scripture in a new way and seeing it in a new way. And here, here's why I'm saying this part specifically this way. I understood it as insight. Some light bulbs came on for me as insight. And I began to share about sonship from the insight. I was, not, I was not changed by it, but it was good things to teach, it was biblical, it was true, and I was sharing it. I want to compare and contrast that to about five years ago when I listened to a man named James Jordan up in up in Reading. He's, he's out of Australia, and he was talking about the Father's heart. And I went to, I had read some of his stuff before. I was a big fan of his. And so when I heard he was going to be at Reading, I drove up there for a few days and that dude was talking like he and God were best friends. I had never heard anyone. I'm like, this, this, this guy knows God. Like he yeah. knows God. And so I'm looking at myself, I'm like, okay, at this point I got a doctorate in ministry, right? I got a doc- So I got bachelor's, master's, doctorate, ministry, been in ministry, all this kind of time, preaching all this kind of stuff been safe since I was nine, been to Sunday school, vacation, Bible school, all kinds of schools, I have graduated certificates, all of it. And I don't know what this guy's talking about. Wow. <laughs> wow. And I'm sitting there like, I thought I had it going on. This guy, his humility, the power in his work, like he knew. And I'm like, you know what? Hold up. Because I got the same Jesus he has. I got the same access he has. What? does he know how did he get here? and it was knowing God as the father that's why that's my whole message now like from wow. here to wow. it's the father's heart and it frees us from it, it, it helps us really dive into the truth um, the truth the power and freedom of the gospel and it 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 began to peel away from me the layers of Christianity as a religion and then just looking at this life with God in Christ with him as a father, not just the God, not just the creator of heavens and the earth, but as a father, it's not just a title in scripture. It's a relationship. And I had this, as I listened to him, I go, I was like, I don't have that. I don't have what he's talking about. I mean, the same thing that we want unsaved people to look at our lives and go, man, I don't have that. That's how I was as an experienced pastor, a a, a quote unquote, tenured Christian. (laughs) I'm listening to this dude and I'm like, I want what he has. Yeah. I drove home after that. I was I was I was undone. I was undone. I was long through our trip. I was undone. And but it opened up my heart to being fathered by God, to mm-hmm. experiencing his love on an ongoing basis. Not like from conference to conference, encounter to encounter, but like an ongoing basis. We're looking at who Christ is as the Son of God and as God. It just it's just a that's a, I've done. A, I, I created an online course for this. So this is I'm just trying to answer your question. For now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that was one of the most pivotal moments of my life is discovering the father's heart. And I have not been the same since. You know,
1: it's crazy that you say that, because, like, I I love preaching when I go to church. I care about the preaching. I'm I'm a, I'm a person who loves to hear the word. I'm on YouTube. I'm listening to this. I got books, but Mm -hmm. I can probably count on one finger. How many messages I've heard about God, the father. I heard a lot of messages about Jesus, about the Holy spirit and only one aspect of the Holy spirit, like the power of the Holy spirit, but not addressing the Holy spirit as a him, or, you know, as a a person, the person of the Holy spirit, but I've heard, jesus messages and holy spirit messages but i can't really remember a message that i've heard specifically about god
2: the father Mm -hmm. you know that's yeah so think about where that and you're not the only one i would say me too so think about where that leaves us if we're not hearing messages about god but we're children of god yeah
0: yeah
2: right it creates yeah it creates a void and um And so when you go back and look at the teachings of Jesus, he talked about his father the entire time. As a matter of fact, what did he say when he was 12? I gotta be about. My father's business. Yeah. He pointed to the father the entire time, the entire time. And, you know, the father sent Jesus to reconcile us back to the father, Father. right? God was in Christ. Reconciling us to Himself, right? Yeah. God so loved the world that He sent His Son.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. First John says, "How how great the love the love that God has for us that we should be called children of God," right? Yeah. And now are we the sons of God? And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but when we see Him, we'll be just like Him. and we see it, and it, we're children of God, but we don't know God. That's true. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's deep. hmm. Yeah. No, um one of the y'all heard of Derek Prince before, haven't you? Derek Prince. Yeah. 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 So one of his phrases that he, well, not phrases, but a statement he made, it just when I talk about the father's heart uh in this whole dynamic, I always quote this because it's such a um clear picture of what, what we're talking about here. He said, in jesus's own words, Jesus says, I am the way. Uh. Right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I am the way, the way to what? On the way to the Father, right? No one comes to the Father except by me. So Derek Prince says, Jesus is the way and the Father is the destination. Mm. Christians have gotten stuck on the way. On the way, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true. It's hard to try to imitate Jesus when Jesus came to show us how to be a son to the father. Yeah. And if you don't know that so instead Christians are trying to be compassionate like Jesus, they're trying to imitate his actions, trying to be compassionate like he, with the hands and feet of Jesus, right? All those kind of, of clichés and trying to be like him, but the most important thing Jesus did uh, as far as m- what he modeled for us is how to be in human form in in relationship with God the Father as a son or as a daughter, like, uh-huh. cause he's King of Kings, but he didn't come down here to show us how to be King of Kings. Right. He's Lord of Lords, Alpha and Omega. There's all these aspects about his divinity. He didn't come to show us about any of that, uh-huh. but he came to reconcile the Father and to show us what it's like to live as sons and daughters of God to the father. Yeah. So he dies on the cross to make the way possible. You're right. Yeah. So we, we can be given life and uh, yeah.
1: Man that that just changes I mean it helps re me reshape even how I'm even viewing my own relationship with the Lord right now, because as we're talking, I'm sitting here thinking like, man, all these years I've missed out on a key component that if it wasn't for this nugget that would make me want to dive deeper into knowing God as as a father, especially because at eighteen, I lost my natural father. And so mm. all these years I feel a void. And it's almost as if like I'm hearing like God saying, I've been in here for you the whole time as I want you to know me as the father, you know. Yeah. And as I'm as I'm listening, I'm doing a self-evaluation of myself, like, man, like I need to learn God as a father. Like I've I've learned him in so many other areas, you know, but like to know him as a father, that's like life changing, you know, too. And I probably and I've tried to fill that void with other pastors, like looking for a father figure in the gospel or a father or a mentorship. But it really, I have to learn God as as mm-hmm. as the father.
2: You know, that's right. Yeah. That's right. yeah. Um, we we all have, and you know, we've had an orphan heart, yeah. and that's why Jesus said in John, um, He said, "I'm not going to leave you as orphans." I think about that. I'm not going to give you as orphans, which means right now that's what you are. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm, right? yeah. But because of what I'm about to do, I'm about to connect you to the father and you won't be orphans anymore. Wow. See in the. Yeah, so so it's one thing for a family to adopt a kid. Right. That's not like biological. You adopt a kid and that kid comes down to this whole new family but you and I know that just because the paperwork is signed and the kid now has a new bed and new room and all that, he's not gelling with that family. You don't, you don't know, yeah. right? He still yeah. has, he or she still has the ways things have been as part of their inner culture. yeah. In, right? And so it takes time. So the parents in that home have to work with that child to show that child how to live in a new family. The rules are different. You don't have to hide food under your pillow here, There's yeah. plenty of food, right? You don't have to sneak things around. You don't have to grab this Nope. There, we have an abundance here now. So think about going from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. Yeah. Well, that doesn't come by just sitting down, having one talk over dinner one night and explaining all the rules and everything has changed. It doesn't work that way. Literally the mind has to be renewed, right? Most importantly, that heart. Has got to feel secure in that new environment, and the heart has to trust, and so that's the same way we are with God. When you know Paul was talking to the Romans, the Romans, uh, I think it's eight, where he talks about how now we have the Spirit of God, where we cry, out, "Abba, Father." Yeah. Well, that's paperwork assigned. We can we can call him Father, but that doesn't mean we mean it when we do. So mm-hmm. the Spirit who bears witness with our Spirit that we are what children of God. Not that we're brothers with Jesus, not that we're sisters with No, that we're children of God. Yeah. We are heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. All right, they're, they're, so God is like the thing. <laughs> he, yeah. he is yeah. the whole We we have all kinds of songs about everything else, all kinds of lessons about everything else. Yeah. All you know, what would Jesus do? Well, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have to ask that question. What would Jesus do if we're walking in sonship with the Father? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I told y'all he's going to be dropping yeah. some heat. <laughs> I,
2: well, because the spirit that led him is the same spirit that will lead us. That's what, that's what the text yeah. tells us. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, right? We are yeah. led to our um, children of God are led by the spirit. Just like Jesus was led by the Spirit. It's the it's the same the same dynamic. Um, so yeah, Jesus didn't show us how to be king and lord and Alpha and Omega, but he was a son of God. And he did show us how to, he did model for us how to be, how to be sons, yeah, and daughters. Like
1: now, do you think church now is going through like a, a transition phase or uh like for me? I know there's other people like me that's in search of a deeper relationship with the Lord or trying to understand the Lord in a different type of way that we're not traditionally getting maybe in our local churches per se, you know, or we realizing the stuff that we have been taught so many years, (laughs) you know, ain't really the truth. It's more like traditions, you know? And so do you think that God is using this time since the pandemic to kind of like, pull out the stuff that wasn't like him and bring in people like you to really bring the truth to, to what it needs to be.
2: I do think we're definitely in a transition. I think we'll be in, I think the church will be in a transition. Um, I don't think it's going to level off. I think it's going to consistently be in a transition until we hear the trumpet sound. And so um, when, when when pastors or church leaders don't understand that, then they're still waiting for the whole post-pandemic season to be over. We, we, we can level off again. There's no leveling off. There's, mm-hmm. there's no going back to 2019. There's no, none of that. So we have to pivot. We have to shift. We have to adapt. Um, and um, and so to answer your question, part of what's happening that the, trans, the church is um, part of what's, part of the transition you're talking about that the church is going through is the millions of christians who have left the sunday morning experience and not because they are turning away from god or turning away from from jesus some of them they've left so that they can live out their faith and their purpose because the context in which they were in on the sunday morning it didn't fit for them now for many other millions of christians that context does fit for them. They still like the Sunday morning being surrounded by hundreds or thousands of people, worship team, kids, ministry, pastor, preaching, serving on a, on a volunteer team. They still like that, but for others, they felt a stirring. They said, I can't do this no more. There has to be a different way that Christianity is supposed to be lived out. than, than all this focus on an hour and 15 minutes a week uh, there has to be a different way for me to live out my purpose than volunteer it's ministry. And so, so some of the things that are being said in churches in order to, um, motivate giving in order to motivate, right. someone, mm-hmm. in order to be attending are, are, are just not true. And people are seeing it and they're ah. tired. And when they got, when, when the doors closed, They got out of the routine of going on Sunday and they were, and they ever, you know what? I don't miss a thing.
0: That's right. Mm -hmm.
2: Right now. If, if I'm, if I'm a local church pastor, one of the things that's going to bother me because I have, I've invested my life in what happens on Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. I've invested my life in, you know, wanting to grow the church, grow the, the, the volunteers, grow the ministry, impact the community. I've invested my life in that. And so when somebody says that this is not right or this is, doesn't work for them or doesn't fit, I can be personally offended instead of actually sitting down to listen to some of the legitimate reasons why that they have of, of why they left. Now, I'm not talking about folks that got mad because their pastor preached something they didn't like. I'm not talking about folks that left because they didn't want to talk to Sister Jenkins and work out their, their, work out their, <laughs> so I'm out, I'm out. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, uh, the millions who, are, and there are several studies that talk about this who have left because they said, I, I didn't leave church because I was losing my faith, I left church so that I could maintain my faith. Wow, that's right. Other wow. than without my faith, because the, the model that one God did not create, and two, it is not the best model for the kind of um fruit that we should be experiencing, yeah, as far as making disciples it's been too restricting for people. And so they're leaving and they're trying to find somewhere, some other way that they can, that they can live out their faith. They're not backsliding, although they're, yeah, there are some who are backsliding on the top of them. I'm talking about the ones who are still living out their faith, who are still called anointed, gifted, got money, got places to serve, got and, and want to serve and all that kind of stuff. Um, So, so yeah, that is. And, and the thing is, as long as their church is in denial about that reality and about people, why people are leaving and that they're leaving for some, for some, for good reasons, then they're not going to adapt in a way that could accommodate those people staying and being able to live out their, their purpose in God. There's such internal focus in most churches that they want you to focus all your time and energy onto helping the the, the church slash institution survive. Right. Mm-hmm. uh So, so, so case in point, I was talking to one pastor and he was like, yeah, I'm trying to get people to serve because you know, to be, as a Christian, you, you got to serve, you got to serve, you got to serve. And I was like, let me ask you a question. Um, how many hours a week would you want a Christian to serve like a Christian in your church to, to serve in order to be like legit, like they are serving. Well, just, you know, it could be, uh, you know, an, an hour, uh, um, you know, every other week, like they could just serve, you know, two Sundays out of a month. Right. And I said, so you're saying that they need to do that because as a Christian, Christ serves, we serve all that. I said, let me ask you this question. If that person did not serve in a church ministry, but served at their kid's school an hour a day, Monday through Friday, would that count? Mm. Uh-huh. Mm. Uh, well, I, I hadn't thought about that. Exactly. Because because that doesn't benefit the institution. That's a, yeah. right. Yeah. Right? If you got that many hours you can spend, we need you here, right? Take care of, t- what they say? Take care of home first. Take care of home yeah. first, yeah. <laughs> take care of home first. See, that right there, that's not that's not the scripture. He, he said go. Yeah, but he showed sure it. Go make disciples, I'm sending you, I'm sending you. There's no take care of home first. So that, prop, that, that goes into part what you're saying earlier about things being taught that are just tradition. That's what I'm saying yeah. is it's not accurate and people are scratching their head like, you know, this isn't really fitting anymore doesn't really fit anymore right i'm serving i'm serving at my kids school i'm serving in the rotary club i'm mm-hmm. serving at, at whatever and i'm and i'm not so i'm not plugged in on a sunday morning and i'm being beat over the head with scriptures about why i'm not serving in kids ministry or being a greeter or working at the hebrews cafe like i i and, and being <laughs> and being made to feel to feel guilty because i'm not in no, a there for real.
1: for real yeah
2: that's an internal focus that is a self-preservation of the institutional mentality that says you got to help us first, and if you have extra time then do outreach you, yeah then but but take home first, right um matter of fact you know, think about a lot of these uh new members classes right one you got a four-week class called grow that everybody got from church of the highlands a church in, in alabama everybody got a four-week class called grow and one of them is like you know a heart for the house
1: yep <laughs> you ain't lying yeah that's
2: true, that's true. Heart, heart for that in other words we're trying to teach you loyalty to us right and and but actually we're supposed to have a heart for the lost i thought we're, to seek and to save those who are lost that's that's i tell you what this is jesus's church and he never taught us to have a heart for the house he taught us to have a heart for the lost if we have a heart for the lost what did he say he'll do he'll build his yeah. church your church right? yeah mm-hmm. We're not counting on him to do that we're counting on our strategies to do that and so that's where people are getting burnt out people are like i'm just done this is not cool I'm, I'm out so my goal is i think we're we've lost a lot of we've lost a lot of giftings a lot of talent a lot of finances a lot of experience a lot of expertise floating around out there i want to go and capture them and say wait 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 i understand that sunday didn't work for you but you're not off the hook you're still called. You're still anointed. Yeah. You're still a, God still has a plan, and you have to be in a church ministry in order to live it out. So let's look at what what God's been speaking to you, and I want to validate them, affirm them, and and provide, in some cases, maybe some healing from church wounds. But we gotta get folks back out in the game and mm-hmm. ministry place. You know, whether it's whether it's that softball mom uh, meeting an hour before the softball game now. To have church on the field with the parents yeah that's what i'm talking about whether well, yeah. it's uh, the woman who's in the laundromat and now she starts to think, to think missionally and she starts to think i could start something and it doesn't have to be inside the walls of a church and i'm in this laundromat every thursday night with the same people who come every week with our kids running around and we're here for two hours what if yeah yep now she's having church in the mat. that's what i'm talking about that's what I'm talking about. And there are more and more stories like that, that need to be, that need to be told, that need to yeah. be highlighted because God is on the move and he's moving inside the building and outside the building. Absolutely. That's right. Because we're all still his body. We're all still yeah. his body, no matter what form of church we're in. But I just want to go back and reconnect with those who have been disconnected. And um, yeah, I mean, everyone, we know we've seen that song uh, he, he leaves the 99 and goes after the one.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, that, that, that's really exciting when you think about you being the one, but when yeah. it's the one, yeah. who's going to go get them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yep. That's the truth. I really appreciate you, you know, breaking that down and really, um, I appreciate God for giving you, um, kind of like that, that mental clarity, as well as a heart for uh, empowering folks that maybe, maybe they want to go out, right? Because I grew up in a very, very traditionalist environment, very Pentecostal environment, so much so that when I got saved, the first thing I did was read the Bible. I never read the Bible before I got saved. And I didn't get saved for a very long time because of what I saw church folks doing, you know, that didn't, Aligned with what they were saying, the Bible said, and so um, by the time I got saved, you know, I started reading the Bible, and I'll never forget. I called my dad, and I was like, "Dad, you lied to us! You lied to us our whole lives." (laughs) He's like, "What? You know, the Bible never said this. It never said that. It never said we couldn't wear red and red nails and red lipstick, right?" Like, I was going it. I was so. I was more hurt than anything because I really felt like, like just, I, I felt so angry, like, you know, but then I'm like, okay, I can't be angry about the truth of the gospel. Cause now I found out like, what's the truth. You know what I mean? But also yeah. I was also taught that if you don't go to church on a Sunday, you are not saved and you must be mm-hmm. backslidden. Right. I was mm-hmm. also taught that. Um, and, and that was a big, a big kind of um, uh um uh, like a, a rope to ring around people's neck back in the, you know, I don't I won't even say back in the day because maybe some folks are still under that kind of teaching, but you know, that was like a big control factor to get butts in the seats for whatever reasons, like you've shared. It could be money, it could be a serving because they need stuff done around the church, it could be all kinds of things. But more recently I had a client to ask me a question and they said they brought up that, that scripture about um, don't forsake the fellowship of the assembly and Mm -hmm. they were told that they are not considered saved if they don't go to church because the bible says that scripture and so they were asking me was that true and i said well it can't be because the bible (laughs) also says like for us to go out like just what you said i mean the bible also says for us to go out like you know so I don't know. Like I'm, I I won't never tell nobody that they're not saved. Like I don't, I don't feel like I can tell a person that, right? Like based on this particular conversation I have with them. But I also, uh, like I said, appreciate that God have given you something for those who maybe in that space. And matter of fact, I referred her to your ministry.
2: <laughs> oh yeah,
0: <laughs> I actually did. Yeah, I was like, well whatever they said, but there is a ministry, okay, that you can go to <laughs> where they ain't tripping off all that. <laughs> But I, I truly appreciate, you know, what God has done in your life, and and then you being able to share that with the world, because we need it. We, we all do, no matter where you come from. We yeah. all need the gospel. We all need to understand the Father's heart, who God is as our Father. You know, we're in such deficits right like i just lost my mom there's such a deficit there that mm. if i was telling my husband i said if i didn't have god i i would be i i probably just wouldn't even be here like literally like i would just go create my own world somewhere and just clam up in it you know what yeah. i mean yeah. but I, I, so I really, I, I wanted to say that because I do come from that traditionalist environment where it's like, Ooh, exactly that. Yeah. That's what they told us. That's what they taught us. That's this, you know? And yeah. so I have to, I've had to, what it, this one preacher said, uh, he called it deconstructing.
2: right <laughs> I've
0: had to deconstruct my, my Christian understanding over the years because of it.
2: Yeah. There's, and, uh, when I talk to people who are in this group that I've chosen to focus on there is a lot of deconstructing and not all deconstructing is, is bad as a matter of fact you can't even have your mind renewed unless there's something that's being deconstructed mm-hmm. and, and people have to not only deconstruct the from their experience of church but they need to um they need to deconstruct their view of of God um things that they were told like for example if, if i'm if i'm being told, that if I don't attend Sunday morning, I'm not saved. If I'm being told, um, if I'm not serving in a ministry, I'm not saved. Then what does that communicate to me about what God thinks about me? Exactly. What does that communicate to me about what my life's performance means to God, that I have to still perform in order to be accepted by him, which means that what Christ did on the cross is, is not enough I have to add to it my own works, which is the the Galatians were threatened with. When Paul said, oh foolish Galatians, who bewitched you, right? We don't know, Christ is enough. Same thing with the Colossians. That's why you see him saying, no, no, no. Don't let anybody uh, look down on you because of the food that you're eating or or if you're not abiding by the, the festivals and the Sabbath and all that. No, Christ is enough. All those things were shadows and he is the substance christ is enough because there's something in human nature we still want to add to what christ has done because mm-hmm. we feel like that um this whole thing can't be so good and free at the same time yeah. like enough being indebted to him like we still have to do something to earn it which is not what grace is about and um and so unfortunately part of the what you what you said those statements like you're not saved if you do this and if you do that those are statements of manipulation and control we're mm-hmm. trying to cause someone to to get in line by causing them to fear n- their own salvation being lost yeah there's no our salvation is not based on serving goodness it's not based on no church attendance especially yeah. when for the first 300 years of the of, of christianity there was no church service on, on a sunday yeah. um what we experience today was was non-existent for hundreds of years, so my attendance at that is not required for salvation. Um, clearly, if you believe in your in your heart and confess with your mouth in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved. There's nothing in anybody that means I, that means I can leave my church and still be saved. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The the same way a pastor can sleep with somebody else, not his wife, and still be saved. The same way a a, a worship leader. Can um, can can be uh, addicted to pornography, and still be saved? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, it, 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 because there is sin in our lives, there is addiction in our lives, and sometimes some of these so many things are so strong. It's not just a matter of willpower. Sometimes we, matter of fact, I've learned. Sometimes you got a demon. That bad boy needs to come. <laughs> yeah. Right. Say <laughs> what? God knows the difference a demon's work in your in your heart he knows the difference but but what I'm saying is our salvation is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross not my attendance not my volunteer hours not my tenure in the church nothing else but when you have that self-preservation mentality of an institution then it will try to say things even like that to throw out those kinds of scary threats in order to get you back in line to serve or participate in order to keep the institution going. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what I have to work with people to help them heal mm-hmm. and undo that kind of stuff. Because if you're actually going to, to live free in the power of the gospel and live out God's plan and purpose for your life, you, you, you those, beliefs are chains and some of the wrong thinking are chains around god's dream for your life and around your potential so we have to unpack that with the truth of scripture and so people can be set free from spiritual abuse from from manipulation control which was actually pretty demonic yeah
0: that's right yeah that's right now do you get a lot of backlash from like traditionalist environments
2: oh yeah yeah yeah, I, I don't I don't care. Yeah, um, because let me tell you why. Because right? because it's not like I don't I'm not ready for it because I am. Right. Because, because here's the thing, I I know what I'm doing because them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yep. See, exactly. I, I I know how what I'm saying and doing threatens what they're trying to protect, but what they're trying to protect is something Jesus was trying to destroy in the New Testament. And so we have, when I deal with what I call accidental Pharisees, like they don't, they, like Jesus told them, you don't know what spirit you're of. I, you can have a genuine heart to want to see the church grow, to want to see people saved, to want to see people helped by, by ministries. Um, but when you take a step back and look at what the church has been commanded to do, and if the church is doing that, Not not if you did a Easter egg hunt, not if you did harvest party, not if you had a candlelight service and you know invite your friend to come and we're gonna give a prize to whoever invites the most friends. Not all extra stuff. Yeah. He said, go and make disciples. Yeah. Not go and make programs and events. Go and make disciples. Now, if those programs and events are part of your discipleship process, then praise God. If those things are part of the steps to get people into a discipleship process, praise God, we have to connect with people. We have to build relationships. We got to meet them where they are. And sometimes Mm -hmm. sitting down at the well and talking about water before we talk about worship. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And so that's fine. But oftentimes the, the discipleship piece is missing. There's a discipleship vacuum in churches and all they have is the programs and events. And it's a big hamster wheel, of religious and spiritual activity and people are having a good time they're making friends but they're not becoming like jesus mm-hmm. uh, and they're making friends and they enjoy going and cooking and serving and all those kind of things but when it comes to spiritual formation they don't know the word because no one's really talking about the word they're talking about god's blessing on your life god's favorite yes. relationships that and it's like a psychology class on sunday but they don't know scripture they don't That the average that a lot of Christians can't even name you five of Jesus's miracles. They can't name you three of his disciples, not even Peter, James, and John. Right? So biblical illiteracy is a big part of why so many of these pastors, uh, I was almost gonna call some names, but I won't, are getting away with the foolishness they're preaching about. Yeah, yeah. Right, because they people just yeah. don't know the word. So spiritual formation is a very, very big priority for the church. Paul says, I, I'm, I'm in labor pains until Christ be formed in you. Right. Yeah. Like uh, so spiritual maturity is a priority. And so is multiplication as a priority. And in most church contexts, the structure they have and the focus they have to maintain the structure will not allow them to put spiritual formation and discipleship first. Because mm. um one, those processes take a long time, and two, yeah. we have we have bills to pay now. Yeah
0: that's good
1: yeah you know i think for me the pandemic showed me um how much i was work based like works, Mm -hmm. and i measured my relationship with the lord with how much stuff i was doing in the church and how much time i devoted to the church and how much i served or was loyal to the man that we got at the church and it worked twofold because it was some things that i was promised by people in the church that they blatantly didn't do. Yeah. And that kind of like I looked at God like that. Well, maybe I'm not working hard enough for God to bless me like this because this pastor didn't give me what he said he was gonna give me, mm-hmm. uh, or validate me the way that I feel like I was about. So when the pandemic happened and everything shut down, I'm sitting there like, well, what I'm gonna do? <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like I just I just didn't know what to do. I was like, like there's no church, there's no Bible study because a lot of the churches talk bad against online stuff, like they have the online stuff, but they were forced to try to transition to that way. But it was almost as if like, man, like I felt weird not going to church on Sunday or not driving to the church on Wednesday or not. I was like, man, I began to understand like how works based I was and how I, I measured my relationship with God with how many times I drove up to the church building and did this and volunteered with that. And this, this, and that. And so like during the pandemic, I lost my grandma, my grandpa, she lost her grandma, you know? So all this stuff was happening and I couldn't just run to the church like normal. And I believe God had to reconstruct my whole ideology of what it means to really have a relationship with him and how much I've been hiding behind a Sunday message (laughs) instead of spending time with him Sunday through Sunday, one-on-one time and prayer Uh. time and devotion time and really letting God have the uh um, getting revelation from god instead of going to the pastor and seeing what god is saying or if i feel like god told me something i go and, and they run to the pastor and be like is this what god's saying or you know can i can i have permission to go over here and speak because you know because i thought was talking, like you had to go speak somewhere outside the church you need to go ask your pastor first and then he'll right. tell you if it's okay for you to go or if it's not okay for you to go things like that so for the pandemic for me it had to i've had to learn god in a whole different way and yeah. I'm so glad that the pandemic happened. Like, I'm not happy of the people who lost their lives, unfortunately, you know, everything sure. like that. But what it did for me to really reconstruct how I was viewing my relationship with God, if that makes sense.
2: Oh, well, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I um I I co authored a book called Sharing Jesus Online. And um, and my co author, his name is Jeff Reed. He wrote a statement, he actually put it in the book. And he was, because he had said some things to pastors during the pandemic. He said, you should not be upset that you had no building during the pandemic. You should be upset that the people had no purpose without the building. Oh, wow. Wow. They they, I mean, that that's a measuring statement there for how mission-minded our, our people are. If we don't have a building, we don't know what to do. What? There's still an entire world out there. Yeah. But because of that internal focus, we made everything about the building, including our membership class and everything else. Without the building, you weren't taught about anything else. You weren't taught about how to share Jesus with your neighbor. You weren't taught about how to plug in and do marketplace ministry. Because even if the building was was closed, you were still going to work. Yeah. I see it. You're, you're still going shopping. Yeah. You were mm-hmm. still with people online like and you but you didn't know what to do cuz you were not taught that. And so for me I have a big and this is where to get your to your point uh Dr. Dene about do tr- do I rub uh traditionalists the wrong way? I absolutely do because um because I'm attacking what they're trying to protect. Mm-hmm. I'm not attacking a church. I'm attacking a structure that's actually limiting the church. And it's a structure that is preventing the church from releasing its full potential that's what i have a problem with and so there's nothing they can do to tell me because not only was i in it i was an expert in it i was a <laughs> church consultant i used those methods i used those models i use all and, and after after months and months of working on this and this and launching this i'm like but we're not making disciples yeah right? mm-hmm. I did the, uh, we can have a like out out, out afterwards we we had easter egg hunt uh at, at a football field with thirty thousand eggs, right? I led the charge on that thirty thousand eggs. Oh, it was great, right? Nobody popped up on Sunday; they just came for the eggs on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. We and so there are a lot of things that I I get the drive to, and the excitement of having a big event with a lot of people that makes us feel successful. That's not on the scoreboard. Yeah. Attend like church attendance, the size of someone's church is not even on the scoreboard Jesus is not measuring how many people are sitting in a sanctuary he absolutely is not so then i stopped yeah. that, that wasn't enough to make this he's counting disciples we need to make disciples if that's the only thing that's being put in points on the board it doesn't matter what else we do on the sidelines what happens what matters is what happens in the end zone yeah, yeah. right so um so that's why so that's where uh i think sometimes you know, especially today, people are really sensitive to anything that they do being criticized. People could yeah. see this. we're trying to criticize, criticize the church. And I'm not criticizing the church at all. I'm I'm criticizing a framework that's limiting the church because I want to see the church actually blossom and blow up and and spread and all that kind of stuff. And and that's, that's actually happening all around the world without this same structure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A pandemic proof church. I want to see a, a the, the kingdom of God grow in advance where everybody, everyday believers uh, know that they are filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, led by the Spirit to rock and roll and and, and, and uh, abide by any spiritual nudge they have without feeling like they got to call the pastor for approval. Like yeah. this, it's very very limiting. It's very yeah. very, and um, and we see what happens when people when companies don't even shift. Right, right now, right now, most churches are like blockbuster in a Netflix world. We know what's yes. going to happen. I don't want to see that happen. Right in yeah. most cases, it's, it needs to happen. It, like, like we wouldn't want to say uh, we want persecution, but guess what? If persecution didn't hit Jerusalem, the church would not have spread because they yeah. had the same kind of itis that we have right now. They, but the apostles are here in Jerusalem. Why would we go anywhere else? The church is yeah. here in Jerusalem. Right, three thousand got saved one time, five thousand another time. Like we're here. Why would we go anywhere else? Well then guess what? Now we're killing folks up in here. Well, time yeah. to go. Time to go. And <laughs> <laughs> then, then they spread. But guess what? Thanks be to God that they spread. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah.
2: And so for them was persecution. For us, it's like a pandemic, but there could also be yeah. something else, Charles p Persecution can be different, but it, it, it's gonna the church is gonna have to be forced to scatter or it won't do it. Yeah. It won't and do also
1: it. it i feel like pastors are getting so overwhelmed under the current motto of how churches have been ran like they're getting fatigued they're quitting because we put everything on the pastor and the pastor have built everything around him so That's if right. he if he don't come to church on sunday
0: nobody comes nobody coming
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know like He got to put the church before his own family. He can't even go to his son's basketball game because you didn't go, you know, and so pastors are tiring out and it can't sustain, like we're hitting a rate that it cannot sustain the way that it's going. And younger generations are not, like my mom was very loyal to the church. No matter how she was treated, she was going to go, she was going to tie, this, this, and that. I kind of consider myself halfway loyal, but the other generation is like, Oh, no, this don't make sense. Like, this right. ain't, I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> right,
2: right. You know?
1: And so it, it's it's unsustainable. And so I believe that God has to, like you said, reconstruct all of us, like each and every individual. And hopefully pastors will be open to the idea that we have to build people for outside of the church and still equip those who still want to come in, into the church.
2: Well, and and when people come in, if we're not equipping them for what to do when they go out, then what are we doing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are we doing? Um, you know, we, 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 when I was on staff and it wasn't said at the church that I was at, but, but at like a conference and stuff like Sunday morning is our super bowl, like all week long, entire church staff is trying to focus on, uh, I mean, we've turned church staffs into event production teams. Yep. All week long, they're producing Sunday morning. Yep, right from yep. volunteer graphics to what needs to be printed to what needs to be in the offering, to what needs to be announcements and on slides and videos and the sermon and the, and the worship lyrics to match and 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 what new flavors in Hebrews Cafe. It, it's like we're all week long we're producing a weekly event. We're not mm-hmm. focusing on making disciples. The average Christian today can't lead a Bible study. Yep. Can't. God's word, uncomfortable praying, but has been at church, church for 20 years. Like that's a problem. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. true. Right. So, so, uh, so that's why if, if the pastor's not preaching or something happens on a Sunday morning, they, they, they don't know what to do. That is not the way Jesus envisioned his church. That's not the way the kingdom of God is supposed to function when we gather, where it's all based on one person. I mean, think about this in the early Christian communities, like shepherds, slash pastors were getting killed. Yeah. I mean, forget uh he ain't speaking on Sunday. Like he ain't back. Yeah, <laughs> <ain't> going back. <laughs> right? For so real. What, so what happens to that congregation? Yeah. Well i I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll tell you one of the things I'm I am a huge proponent of at the end of the at, at the end of the day this is it. When I think about a pandemic proof church and other things like that, it's a decentralized leadership decentralized mm. leadership means everything doesn't surround the pastor and and church staff where if yeah. they something even when things were online during the pandemic a small a small group of staff members had to produce something on site for online yeah if that small group didn't produce it our folks didn't know what to do they didn't know yeah. what to do like right now you get you could say hey we're gonna have small groups all right who going who, who's gonna Lead a small group, folks looking at each other. They don't know how to lead a small group, y'all. Yeah. How to mm-hmm. go? You don't know how to lead a small group. So, so decentralized leadership means that we're pushing the power down from the pastor down to the people, which is what Jesus did, right? I give you authority, yeah. I give you power. He literally told his disciples, the Gentiles, lord power over each other. Let that not be so among you. Well, compliments of the Catholic Church and the Roman government. That's what the church began to be restructured as with a hierarchy. Now you have clergy, you have the priests, you have the laity, and now you have an audience kind of setting. You know, we're not sitting around listening, talking to everybody, being uh, I mean, listening to everyone. Corinthians. When you come together, everyone has a song. Everyone has a revelation. Everyone has a a contribution. No, that shifts to now there's one person speaking and everyone's listening. And here we are today in 2024, and it's still the same thing. I am advocating for us to go back to that model where believers can gather together without a quote-unquote ordained pastor who's been to seminary or wants to go to seminary or wish he was in seminary or whatever, you know, got a fake doctor degree. I'm, I'm You know, you don't need all that. You can now as believers yeah. and pray and worship and edify each other. And just like Paul said, when we come together, maybe you got a song, you got a revelation, you got an insight, you're teaching a lesson, it's, it's decentralized. This way, if something happens to one person, that group can still keep on going on. Right now, if something happens to the pastor. You know, churches have died because the pastor left. But because exactly, the pastor, it collapsed. Right? Mark Driscoll with Mars Hill, uh, he had like thirteen campuses from Washington State all the way down to Arizona. When he got removed, all thirteen campuses they 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 went south. Some of them became isolated churches. Some of them closed completely because the uh-huh. one. Let let something happen to TD Jakes and watch what happens to the Potter's House. Who would succeed yeah. him? No, a successor, Nope. What happened to miles monroe's church right yep. it's the miles monroe ministry which means if miles monroe ain't there they ain't no miles monroe ministry yeah mm-hmm. right it's kind of the context around one person then when that person fades away then the whole ministry comes that's not the way the kingdom was designed as a matter of fact when jesus died they thought that the disciples themselves thought that ha- they, they thought that they were actually experiencing man now it's us we were following this guy now he's gone and now we're holed up in this in this house, hoping folks don't find us. Like the, I guess that means the move is over. I guess that means the move is gone. Now that he's gone. So that's why he had to pop back up and pop up in the house and go, "Hey guys, I'm back." Yeah. And I told you, <laughs> I, t- I told you, it's gonna happen. I, yeah. <laughs> if I come back from the dead, you best believe everything else I said was true. Come on now.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. And that's when they came out of that house, you know, ready, you know, all, all fired up. So. Um, So, yeah, I am all about seeing the church become an unstoppable, organic, disciple-making movement again. And right now, the structures that say, come hear the pastor preach. Come bring your friends on Sunday. Come bring them here because come bring them. Like, it's your friend. We're not going to let you Be stressed with the responsibility of discipling them. You bring them here, and we'll put them in our new members class. We'll get them serving. We'll get them listening to the sermon, and 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 you're out of the picture. But that was your God ordained relationship. But you weren't equipped to handle the business.
1: Yeah.
2: Oh, you have outsourced your friends or family's spiritual formation and discipleship to your church because that's what you're taught to do. Yeah. Right. If that whole building shuts down, you don't know. Again, you don't know what to do. On the other hand, what if on Sundays where we're instead of being teaching centers, we're being training centers and you're being equipped, you're being taught. This is how you turn a natural conversation into a spiritual conversation. This is how you bring up Jesus at w- w- with coworkers. This is how you lead a Bible study. You don't have to have a seminary degree to lead a Bible study. This is how you lead a Bible study. This is how you do that. What if we're doing that? Yeah. Then, when stuff goes down, we got folks who know what to do, and the mission can yeah. continue. That's yeah. decentralized. Mm-hmm. That's, and so that's that's what I'm all about because that's what the early church was uh, was born to do: be decentralized. Yeah, that was Amen. good. Have, that was good. Yeah, you still have leadership. You still got the apostles there, right? You still mm-hmm. got Paul, Timothy, but it's decentralized. It's decentralized. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's anyway. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Was good. We're gonna have to
0: have you back because yeah, gonna... we need to talk more about that because I know I got questions. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I told y'all, man, this gets deep. You know, um, Dr. Harris, you know, I thank you so much because you've been an integral part in me understanding God in another way. Way back when I we didn't even meet formally, but I, I was hearing you teaching. And, you know, it's just your authenticity, uh, being authentic, uh, your passion for the Lord. Um you being humble and me really being a part of your different transitions, you know, and leadership, and just watching you from afar. I've learned so much. Um, you know, I really thank you for taking the time to be with us today and dropping these nuggets. Um, do you have any? Oh, before you have any last words, please tell us again how we can contact you, get a part of your courses, uh, be a part of your community, and then we'll have you um, give some words to those who are. Uh, wanting to find a new community or having that in their hearts and saying, you know, the church model, I want, I want, I want to learn God in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. You know, can you speak to
2: them as well? Yeah. Well, I'm going to um, be launching an online course called the father's love encounter. And, um, and so if people want to, uh, to be on the waiting list for that, they can email me at John at hearts like org. John at HeartsLikeHis.org, and I can put them on the mailing list, and so when we release that course, they'll be notified of that. Also um, on Facebook, Hearts Like His, um, you can just search that, and, and you'll see a picture of me and my wife pop up um, on uh, on Instagram. It's also Hearts Like His. I think it's like a period, Hearts period like period His on Instagram, um, and so yeah, I would love to to, to connect with people and just kind of bring some, bring some truth to some stuff, you know? And, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. My mind is going other places now as I'm thinking about.
0: (laughs) I wish you guys could see see what we see. Your mind is going. (laughs) But my mind is too. I mean, I, I, I think, uh, I think this is a, a very good discussion and it's very, um, kind of entry level for a lot of our community. Um and I only say that because a lot of our community comes from or is still a part of where we've been and has not necessarily found um that they complain, right? <laughs> but they haven't uh really kind of that the light bulb just hasn't gone off for some, right? For others it has. And like you said, and for some, they've completely just like left. They're like, uh-uh. I was abused in the church. I was this, I was that. Peace. I don't want nothing to do with it kind of thing. And yeah. so, um. but yeah, my mind was just literally going to like a roundtable discussion. I think that would be fantastic. And we can talk offline about that, but yeah. I think that would be fantastic yeah. to have a whole roundtable discussion and and really just like get to the the meats and bolts of this, like the de- decentralized leadership the the deconstructing, you know, the things that that we've been taught over the years, and and just the to to what you've said, like you have to deconstruct to to renew your mind. You you do, you literally do, and so uh, there's just so many fundamentals that discipleship nowadays is not. I I don't think it's it's hitting those cores, right? I don't think it's. I think it's it's exactly what you said. It's really uh, um, kind of positioning folks to support a ministry but it's not really positioning them to go out and then win souls for Christ.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and and that's my only problem with it, right? But mm-hmm. you have the problem with uh those results. Um you know, we're all one body in Christ. Mm-hmm. Um and and one family and um and I think that believers in a variety of different modes of church, uh, God's gonna bless it when you get together, right? Yeah. So like God is not blessing what's happening inside the building or people's lives aren't being changed or saved or things like that. He absolutely is. They're still his people inside or outside yeah. the building. But we're, we're, so we're not talking about one thing being better or worse than the other. We're talking about something that one model that can limit our potential yeah. yes yeah mm-hmm. versus versus another model that that is the original model um so so yeah yeah there's a lot more that could be said, but yeah on mm-hmm. panel um, discussion or you know roundtable whatever you want to do that's cool with me uh, oh yeah
0: all right well I'm excited I'm so we excited definitely too. gonna get that second um conversation going for our listeners so stay tuned we're gonna do this offline and schedule a date. <laughs>
1: But, yeah. but we are gonna come back. You know, we'll probably do it like in person, have people come, sit around, yeah, we'll be feed, good. We'll feed people. We can just have a good sit-down oh, yeah. discussion and uh you know, and it, I think it'll be good. That
0: is a good idea, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then we can just drop the, the audio for, yeah. for everybody else that's yeah. not in the room. But if you can come in the room, yeah, I promise your life's gonna be changed. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Thank you so much. Uh, Dr. Harris, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today and and just being a part of our audience. God's blessed our podcast um, so much. We're now in twelve countries, and um, yeah, we look at our uh, we look at our analytics, at and and we're like, wow, we're in like Russia and like Ukraine and all these war torn areas. Yeah. Somebody's listening to the gospel, you know? Because yeah. I mean, everything we talk about, we center it at the at the cross. So. Um, I appreciate you talking even about the marketplace ministries. That's a lot of what I where I am, you know, out there teaching and training and working with uh, small businesses and things like that. But I was just on a tour with the governor's office, and uh, on one of our stops, I was I was speaking, and then this lady on my bio it said podcast, but I don't like in those corporate like I don't bring it up right. It's just in there, and so so when it came time for Q and A, this lady she raised her hand and she said. Um, I noticed that you have a podcast now this is not like highlighted right like she literally found intentionally found that you know and so she's like i noticed you have a podcast can you tell us a little more about it and i was like oh thank you for asking so i told her i said you know we talk about everything controversial stuff good stuff bad stuff whatever it is but we always center it at the cross and um and they just gave this overwhelming applause And they are like, man, that's what we need. And I was like, thank you, Lord. And that was right before we brought our podcast back. We did take last year off. It was just a tough year. So we came back and that was kind of like God, like like that extra push. Like people are being blessed by the discussions. Mm -hmm. People, lives are being changed by the testimonies coming forth because of the discussions going out about Christ. And so. So really, thank you for just being a part of that and and a part of what we're doing and a part of what God is doing in all these different places. War-torn, regular homelessness, whatever is going on, God is with all of us.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you all uh, for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you guys.
0: Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So we will check you. Check us out um, next week, guys. And we thank you for listening on today. All right. Peace.